I have no idea if this will be funny to you, but I have to tell you on Wednesday, I sent an email to about four of my priest friends, and I said, you know, the prayers at Mass always seem to match the readings. And it, it really, I can't see it this week. I can't find the connection. And, and, it, and I prayed Mass, uh, this is my third one uh, this weekend, uh, and Deacon Denny just was like, well, you're doing the wrong prayers. And I can't tell you how funny I find that, that uh, it never occurred to me that the whole church was wrong. Um, so you heard that great line in the gospel, right? Martha, Martha, you're anxious and upset about many things. And my mom's name was Martha. And I remember uh, 17 years old, uh, parent-teachers conferences, which was always the worst month of my life. And uh, my mom came home and it was just, I can't take this. You know, I got that talk. Every teacher was like, please eliminate your son. We, we don't want him here. And uh, she was kind of getting warmed up. And I thought, you know what? This needs humor. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious. And then I don't remember anything. Uh, <laughs> for the next month of my life. So uh, that's a moderately true story. Uh, I remember it well. Uh, but I want us to, uh, to take a look at these readings from a really cool viewpoint. Um, it, it, it's with three encounters, uh, three encounters, three readings. And, and I'll do this obviously as quickly as I can, uh, but I want this to uh, hit all of us, but particularly those who've been pining uh, for some experience of God. Um, maybe it's that sense of alienation, or I feel connected to the Lord, but things are so crazy. I'm having trouble, right? Because uh, there's three readings here, as usual, but each one, I think, offers us a way to look at how we can experience God. And, and the first one comes to us uh, from Genesis. And it's kind of crazy, if you ever stop and think about it, that the whole story of Abraham starts, and it says he and his wife were old. Okay, They were old. Now, in that day, 40 could be old. But God tells him, go to a land I'm going to show you. And I love this quote. And Abraham set off not knowing where he's going, which... That's the story of my life, eh? But God promised him, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham, the first time God promised it, reminded him, I'm old. We're past the years where we can have children. But God promised him, you're going to have a son. 25 years later, he doesn't have a son. And each time he starts to think, is this going to happen? God ups the promise. And by the time we get to the promise before this story, God says to him, all right, step outside your tent, look at the stars in the sky. You're going to have more ancestors than you see stars. Do you remember the thing about him being old? Yeah, 25 years before he was old. How does it happen? Well, here we hear it. He's a Bedouin. He lived in the desert. And they have a rule that if they encounter you and you need help, 
And I've done this. I've walked from Elot and southern Israel all the way down through that peninsula, all the way up to Egypt and back. It took me four weeks. And when we encountered Bedouins, we ate. Yeah? I don't know how. We'd be in the middle of the desert. And I'm serious. We had spaghetti. Uh, I don't know. But Abraham sees these guys walking, and he serves them. And I don't mean serves them like, do you want some water? He full court presses it. He kills one of his uh, lambs. They make bread. We're talking hours here and a lot of work. And he makes sure they have enough water. He really goes all out for them. And the first time they speak, where's your wife? She's over in that tent. When we come back in a year, she's going to be holding a baby. Now, it bummed me out. They cut this. Where did we go? There we are, Randy. They cut the last line out. The next line is, quote, and Sarah laughed. Right? Uh, your really old wife. When we come back in a year, she's going to be holding a baby. Next line, Sarah laughed. A year later, she's holding a baby. And what does she name him? Laughter. Yitzhak. Isaac is how we say it. Abraham trusted the Lord. Sarah trusted the Lord, and it was insane of them to do so. When God fulfilled his promise is when they poured themselves out in service. And I think that's an important thing for us. I do. That we are, uh, well, we'll get into that later, but we have so many needs in our own life, we tend to forget there's other needs out there too. And I don't mean never do that thing. Oh, so-and-so has it worse. I have no idea how that's supposed to help us. Yeah, I know my pain, and it seems plenty to me. It's not to look at others and say, well, their pain is worse, but to look at others and say, how can I help them? That in my need, can I reach out? And when I taught high school, uh, one of the things I I always kind of gently tease my students about is if I said, I'm going to the soup kitchen and we're going to go help some people who need help, they were all in. But when they got home, they were selfish and rude. Right? They never got excited about serving at home. That's what you need to do. Service needs to be a way of life. And when we give of ourselves, we will find God bringing us healing. God promised for years, years. And it finally happened when Abraham gave of himself. So I think if we're struggling right now, if we're struggling and trying to figure out where is God in the mess, then it's time to reach out. It might just be we unintentionally let our world get a little too small. The second one comes from our apostle Paul. And, you know, Paul had it rough. Uh, Paul was almost beaten to death at three different times before he wrote this. He had it rough. Shipwrecked, starved, bit by a snake. I mean, my gosh, bro, you know? If you had that in a friend, you'd be like, you should give up. Yeah, this is... But what does Paul write? I rejoice in my suffering. Why? He says, quote, in my body, I fill up what's lacking in the sufferings of Jesus. And I hate this. I wish there was an easier way. But suffering is a way we can encounter Christ. 
It says in scripture that his life was defined by suffering. And if you're like me, God help you. But if you're like me, as soon as suffering starts to knock at the door, I'm looking for when it'll be over. When can I be through this? And there's Paul saying, when I'm hurting, I'm going to join him on the cross. That Jesus is on the cross right now. This is an event outside of time, or it would have only saved those people who were alive when it happened. He's on the cross now. And St. John Paul II puts it this way. And from that cross, he's calling you, help me save the world. Say to me, Jesus, I join my suffering to you. St. John Paul II suffered in ways I don't think any of us here ever will. And he rejoiced in his suffering. He didn't like it, but he rejoiced in it because it was a chance to be with Jesus on the cross and to help him save the world. Service to others, suffering, these are two ways we can experience God and that we will find God in if we allow it. And the third one, it might be the hardest, I don't know. It's just so countercultural. Our culture actually kind of reveres service. Our culture understands a bit about suffering, but here's the last one. Quiet, silence. We're not so good at that, says the guy talking for 40 minutes. Thank you. For you and me, and I see this a lot, I see it as Catholics who, who feel a call by the Lord. Hey, you know, Jesus is calling me to help the poor. Jesus is calling me to help the unborn. Jesus is calling me to this. And then what eventually happens is Jesus gets dropped off of that and he becomes the excuse instead of the source. If our good works do not proceed from Jesus, then they're not going to result in much. This is the lesson of Martha and Mary. Mary listened to Jesus. And if we follow this gospel through, she acts. But she acts after listening to Jesus, sitting with Jesus. And we're in a loud, busy country. And I don't know how to stop the train. I really have no idea. But if I allow it, God can stop this train. And Train me to sit with him in quiet every day. To make sure that if I love you, that it's love from him through me. Not my love. My love will fail you. I'll do my best. But I'll fail you. Jesus won't fail you. If I offer you my wisdom, <laughs> you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I don't have much wisdom. But if I'm in tune with Christ and let him speak with through me, then I can give you something valuable. All of this to say that we have service and suffering. These are two ways to encounter Christ. The third is foundational, silence. Silence, that each day, guys, we have to pray for the grace to stop the train and to sit with God. St. John Vianney uh, was a, a busy, busy priest, yeah? And yet, with that, one of the things people said is, well, Lord, he sits in church for hours praying. He could be doing more. 
And so someone asked him, what do you do? He's sitting there in church for hours. And he, he pointed to the blessed sacrament. He pointed to the crucifix. He said, I look at him. He looks at me. That was his answer. And from that came the greatest priest I think God ever made, St. John Vianney. I look at him. He looks at me. Jesus wants to sit with you. If you ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, you know he, he wrote a really, a really clever premise of a demon writing an older demon trying to figure out how to tempt people, how to get them out of the path to heaven and on the way to hell. And at one point, this demon's real frustrated. And, his, and his, uh, this, this older demon writes him and says, okay, now we're going to get it done. All these other temptations didn't work. And at core, the problem is God made them good so we can't make them bad, we'll make them busy. We'll make them busy. We're all too busy. And again, I don't know how to stop it. I don't. But I know that Jesus wants us to take control in his name over our schedules and our lives, to get off the crazy train and sit with him. To get off the train that says you have to do more and says, no, you need to be first. We are human beings, not human doings. And so, in the name of Jesus, we are called to, uh, what's that phrase? Don't just do something, stand there. Yeah? Flip that equation. Don't just do something, stand there. Be with God. And let our action proceed from that. So there we are. Three readings, three routes. We can encounter Christ in serving other people. And not half serving, but full court press. We can encounter Christ in our pain and in our suffering. And we can encounter Christ in our silence. May we have the grace, the wisdom, and the desire to do all three. Service, suffering, and silence. Amen? Okay.